Hello and welcome to the final Perpetual Outsider podcast for the Underwater Menace. We've reached episode four. Uh, I'm John Bensalia. Hello and welcome. Um, just a quick reminder, I'm on Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash John Bensalia. Uh, sorry about the relentless plugging, but uh, guys got to try and make a living somehow. So anyway, without further ado, after that uh, merciless plug, let's get right on with the episode counting down in five, four, three, two, one. Off we go. Oh, no, it's the. Oh, it's it's back to um, this very badly done reconstruction, which they, they can't even be bothered to actually do the whole title sequence. It's just a caption of the Doctor Who logo. Uh, which was the, incidentally, was the penultimate use of the original Doctor Who title sequence, which, uh, I don't know, I, I, I quite like it. I don't think it's as innovative as the the, the main Patrick Shadowman, which they use from uh, from the Macro Terror, not from uh, the Faceless Ones, as rumour would have you believe once. Oh. He says it quite, um, quite subtly in that way. <laughs> Yeah, he's he. It's uh, a little bit more underplayed that delivery of nothing in the world will stop me now. So yes, back to playing guessing games with uh, with screen screenshots, which I suppose we you know we're, we're quite lucky to have. Um, John John Cura famously did uh, some tele snaps. What he do is he would uh, point a camera at a TV screen and take uh, and take stills of the uh, the episodes when they were being broadcast. Which is a which is a useful kind of visual representation of um, of a missing story because otherwise you know like the space pirates I mean I I, I just can't figure out what's going on unfortunately I've, I've got a feeling that Cura passed away by then or at the very least I think he was too unwell to uh, to take the photographs I'm not sure I mean imagine if um, you know imagine if a war games had uh, had been lost forever I mean we'd have no visual representation of a war games I mean it probably would have you know acquired some sort of mythical status without any kind of visual idea of what the hell was going on and if there were no episodes in existence so uh god we're, we're really lucky to have that complete and existing in the archives yeah actually i mean season four is really the only story where um it, it suffers quite a lot from not being commercially available enough because you've you know um we've got the smugglers uh, the Highlanders. Um, you've got a ra only rather poorly done reconstruction for this, um, but I've, I think they're starting to redress the balance a little bit with, um, you know, the animations. But um, I mean, if if um, the BBC actually gets its arson gear and actually releases the abominable snowman, then uh, no, actually, I tell a lie. No, I was going to say then that was all the season five complete, but of course you got the wheel in space. But at least you've got um, the two episodes available in the Lost in Time DVD still. Yeah, Zaroff now now about to initiate uh, mass destruction of Atlantis. Um, you've got quite a few explanations in Doctor Who for uh, for the reasons, the causes of the destruction of Atlantis, because. In the previous commentary I did for Doctor Who, Time Monster, you had Kronos. And in another story, The Demons, you've got Azal going on about how he was responsible 
for destroying Atlantis. So um, you've got all these different, <coughs> excuse me, um, you've got all these different explanations for uh, uh, for for who who destroyed Atlantis, who or what destroyed Atlantis, actually, I should say. So it's all all very mysterious as to um, which one you believe. But I suppose, like in in Pyramids of Mars, you know, the Doctor says that you know, you know, many different um, alternatives in time. So we're probably just looking into alternative time. I think that's that's my boneheaded way of saying I, I don't know which one to believe. Yeah, but Michael Craze at least gets a little bit more to do in this episode because you know he's he's accompanying the Doctor, whereas Jamie is is just um, for the most part just leading uh, Polly around, who's just crying and sobbing away through the episode, which I suspect will be quite uh quite annoying by the by the time this episode is finished with. I, w I would like to see this episode back, um, because it again it relies so much on action. Rather than rather than words. That is a good line, actually. Uh, the, the way that um, Ben says he's not normal because he's trying to they're trying to bluff their way past one of Zaroff's guards. And, Doctor, and Ben says, well, look at him. He ain't normal, is he? And I, I do like the Doctor's reaction to that. He's, he's very quiet, sort of saying, you know, I'm not sure what to make of, you know, what you said about me not looking normal. I think that's, uh, that's, that's a good bit of banter between between two characters who don't really get an awful lot of screen time together, actually. And it's curious how, after um, Power of the Daleks, the second Doctor and Ben don't really get to sort of spend a lot of time together. Um, yeah, they're, they're apart, you know, Ben goes off and does his own thing in uh, The Highlanders, stages his own escape. Um, for the most part, he's doing his own thing in The Underwater Menace. Um, the moon base, he's mostly paired with Polly. They're looking for, you know, sort of ways to come up with, to come up with uh, a solution to defeat Cybermen. Um, he turns traitor in the Macro Terror and then he's, shunted off mercilessly in um faceless ones. So he doesn't he doesn't really um get to do a great have a great deal to do with the second doctor, which is I don't know. I don't really know if that kind of mistrust ever went away because he's he's quite suspicious of the second doctor in power of the Daleks. So um, I don't know. Maybe it, it probably wasn't intended that way, but you know you I suppose you could interpret it like that. But you know he, he never really got over that kind of um Suspicion of you know the, the new uh, the new man I suppose. Oh, he's he's kind of preempting a uh, Perry Brown there by saying that all these tunnels look alike. All the all these tunnels look the same. Yeah, I, th I think at this point the, the scriptwriters are really struggling to kind of evenly share the action between the um, the three companions, which. Which, to be fair, is probably not an easy thing to do. You know, you have to give a, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, you know, line here, line there. You know, how how do you share that equally? You know, poor, poor old Jamie and Polly are just you know they're just clambering their way over over rocks. You know, it's it's just you know they really do get a raw deal in the story. I think. 
Oh, cop out. Come on. <laughs> Give Polly a little bit of uh, brains, for God's sake. You know, what is radiation? I mean, of course, Jamie doesn't know um, anything about radiation. You know, he's... Um, it's very... It's, I, I think it's why it's quite a, an interesting take to go for a historical character. He doesn't know about, you know, futuristic concepts and innovations and inventions and that sort of thing and it is interesting to see him um kind of become more used to them you know they tried the same trip with the, with victoria you know who comes from you know the victorian age but i think it's why um you know especially with jamie i think it's you know why it works so well because he's kind of adapting to customs and traditions that he doesn't know about whereas with that uh, with zoe it's kind of the reverse you know she's well clued up on all of that, but she doesn't know about, um, you know, the past so much. So that, that's a nice contrast, I think. Yeah, Polly could have at least explained the concept of radiation, you know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll explain some other time. Yeah, you've got the, um, judging from all the, the screen grabs here, you've got the, the water coming out of the main statue of Ando. And the statue of Ando is falling apart, and the whole destruction of the um, of that room is is just um, is just being destroyed. That that would have been quite interesting to see. I've got to be up. Maybe they missed the trick when they um, they junked the episodes. Maybe this one should have survived instead instead of episode three. But uh, obviously not. Will I get to see it again in my lifetime? Whew, who knows. I have no idea. I would, I would love for more missing episodes to be discovered. So, um, yeah, if, if you've got any in your garden shed when you're at it, then uh, give them back. <laughs> Just so that I can see them in my lifetime. I mean, they'll probably won't be discovered until I'm like, you know, in the sixties or seventies, and I, you know, or I'll, I'll be in, you know, an old culture and I've gone blind by then. I can't see what's going on. I can hear them, but I can't see them. Yeah, listen to that water. DVD watchers, you know, because that's all you can do. You can't actually see it. Um, see what's happening. I think Jamie summed it up very well. Yeah, you, you don't really get to see what's happening to, like... Um, uh, like all the extras, for example, in uh, in this episode, you only get to see um, Faust talking it through with Damon and uh, Ara. Yeah, the cat, the Catherine Howe character. Is it Ara? I think it's Ara. And you only you only get to um, hear about the destruction. I think apparently Lola has uh, has bought it. I think he's uh, he's perished in the uh, the destruction. Yeah, I think I think they probably missed the trick a little bit with uh, not showing the uh, the action affecting uh, you know like the extras or you know the, the, some of the other characters. Um, but of course, you know the old bugbear, you know, well, two old bugbears, time and money. How on earth can you you know how can you destroy the world with reasonable conviction in such a short space of time? You know, it's not as if they had lots of uh, money and resources at their disposal in 1967. They must have all been drowned. I mean, you know, 
a, a big thumbs up to the you know the ambition for this but was it maybe a little bit too beyond the production team's reach i don't i don't know but you can't you can't deny that the underwater menace does have ambition and you know sort of attempting to destroy a world you know Whereas Zaroff is now doing what I'm doing. He's speaking into a microphone. Maybe he's recording his own uh, his own commentary, which uh, which probably would be a dance site more entertaining than mine, I think. And of course, uh, the doctor, doctor and uh, doctor and Ben have come to attempt to save the day. And I've got a feeling that guy in the background is is Gerald Taylor, who will come back in the demons. And more memorably is as Vagan Exos in, in the Monster of Peladon, who'll wear that strange kind of um, alien mask. Come on, Chalt a brick. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a feeling that's one of those double entendres that the discontinuity guide uh, does. Um, I'm not really quite sure how they get from Brick to Poo, I don't know. But again, a, a problem with the a problem with um, this episode being missing is you can't you can't really tell what's going on. You can't see the panic of the Zaroff's minions or employees or whatever you call them. You can't see them rushing out. I mean, you, you can only guess what's going on. And this uh, you know this kind of grill, this giant grill, just suddenly appears as if from nowhere. So it's um, yeah, pure guesswork really. He's just gone completely cuckoo, isn't he, Zaroff? Absolutely nuts. And he's now he's now speaking in the third person, which is which is absolute proof that he's gone cuckoo. <laughs> so when it comes down to it, the way he destroys Atlantis is through a plunger. Um, yeah, <laughs> very imaginative. I mean, as, as, as far as destruction weapons go, it's, it's not the most imaginative, is it? It's not really up there with uh, a bolt of lightning from Azal or Kronos flying around like a big budgie. Um, yeah, a plunger, not, not very interesting, but, uh, uh back to Jamie and Polly and, uh, I suppose it's really, really an episode in which the Doctor doesn't really get to save the day. I mean, he, he fails in his bid to actually um, stop Zaro from actually destroying Atlantis. All he really does is um, uh, is, is get Zaroff drowned, really. Um, he, he, he doesn't save everyone. He doesn't... Um, say the extras or Lolam or you know the others like that they've really got to go away and do their own thing so it's um yeah I suppose in some ways it's quite a downbeat ending <laughs> it's quite comical though <laughs> I 
this classic kind of bad guy. No, no, you cannot do this to me. No, it's pure B movie, isn't it? You know, we see you know, these protests of no. But I, I do like the doctor's um, reluctance. I, I, I like the way he, you know he wants to go back and um, not abandon himself to his fate. You know, which, which is quite you know in a way quite a quite a sticky end for the Zaroff, you know, drowning, which was another of the, um, another of the sequences to fall victim to the Australian censors. They actually cut that bit out. So, uh, so we could actually, uh, actually see a bit of footage from episode four. Oh God, this is awful. Oh yeah. I've, I've got to say, Annika Wills doesn't really do the, the crying bit very well, to be honest. Um, but then it's it's not really a thing you can do credibly, is it? You know, the, you know, I can't, I can't, can't. You know, you you get a script like that through the letterbox, and you think, well, how on earth can I do this? You know, with with conviction, you can't really because it's not really it's a line that's kind of like conviction proof. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't. You know, it's um, yeah, it's it's complete. It's not Annika Wills's fault by any means. It's um, it's just poor scripting. Yeah, who cares about us? Who cares about him? You know, nice one, Ben. You know, never mind. You know, he'll just leave him to drown. Never mind. Yeah, quite a ruthless ending. And um, interestingly, hardly any incidental music again. I think you only get a couple of um, synthesized parts from Dudley Simpson um, early on in the episode, and the rest of it is largely music-free, which is which is quite interesting. I, th I think you need I think you need to get the balance right with with music. I think you don't want to swamp the action like Murray Gold does in the uh, in the modern day ones, but on the other hand, you don't want too little music. Otherwise, it just sort of um, I think I think you need a bit of music just to kind of G up the tension a bit, you know. I think you need to kind of need you need that music to propel the action along a little bit, you know, especially if it if the action's flagging a little bit. Which they um I think it's a mistake of um, Destiny of the Daleks actually, because episode four has no music whatsoever. And I, I think it suffers a bit because of that. Actually it suffers quite a lot because of that, you know, it needs it needs that bit. And here, you know, you, you don't know what the hell's going on. You've just got Jamie and Polly just sitting outside looking miserable. I mean, yeah, well, what's going on? Because the action, you know, there's there's no dialogue, there's no communication, you know, it's it's purely on um on visuals that you know that we're relying on here, on which we haven't got, which is uh which as Bambera's as Bambera would say, is a is a great shame. And I think this is Zaroff getting his comeuppance. I mean, at the very least, if they did a reconstruction, but you know, they could have included that as to Zaroff actually getting his just desserts. But you, you don't get to see that. You just get get to see a, a still frame of that sequence. So even Ara can't save the day here. We've just got Colin Jevons in the stupid wig and eyebrows. But they're uh, they're attempting to rebuild a life. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, I'm um, not wishing to jinx anything. Colin Jevons is still alive. Um, maybe maybe they should big big finish should do a spin off with Damon and Ara. You know, be uh, 
they're missing a trick there. Jamie and Polly still looking miserable. Polly looks like she's having a good old blood there. But I like the way the doctor surprises them and just goes, boom, out of nowhere. Which I can't really see the first doctor doing, you know. So, But of course, that's the deliberate contrast. I, I don't know how William Hartman was feeling at this point. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing he probably wouldn't have watched Doctor Who because it would have been too difficult for him, maybe. I, I really don't know. You know, I, I think there's various reports as to whether he left of his own accord or whether he was pushed. I, I don't know. You know, various various reports. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wait, Jamie just goes, you! <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a downbeat ending. You know, it's... Um, yeah, very strange one. It's a very strange mix of, um, you know, sort of dramatic concepts and, you know, um, bizarre humour and... Uh, B-movie type baddies and it's um yeah I mean I, th I think overall I think The Underwater Men is something I think it's reasonably entertaining I, I don't think it's ever going to be in my list of favourite episodes it's not really the um kind of like the go-to DVD I guess but I've, I think its reputation has improved a bit in recent years because of you know probably partly because of the rediscovery of episode two yeah, I like the way Polly's wearing the Doctor's hat. That's that's quite a cute moment. Jamie uh, saying that he's actually quite enjoying himself after that mad escapade. You know, maybe life as uh, as a red coat wasn't very interesting, but uh, I think he's starting to relish his adventures, which he will enjoy even more in the in the next one in the Moonbase um, as uh, the TARDIS goes out of control. And of course, back in those days, um, you would end it end of story and then lead directly into the next one. Let's go to Mars. Of course, you won't go to Mars. Vitalis is just about to lurch out of control thanks to a pesky Gravitron, I think. Yeah, we're about to... Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the episode literally ends on the cliffhanger. You know, it's like a... It's like one big story in those days, isn't it? You know, where does one story end and another begin? So I said, out of control! And of course, a scream from Polly. So that was The Underwater Menace. Yeah, not, not as bad as its reputation would have you believe, but um, um, like I say, it's not the greatest Doctor Who story ever made, but... Uh, but it is reasonably fun and, um, you know, provides a fair degree of entertainment, I think. But anyway, um, that is the end of the story. Uh, thank you for joining me again. I uh, hope to be back with you very soon for some more commentaries. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. And this is me, John Ben Sinius, saying goodbye for now. Goodbye. <laughs>